cul-de-sac contemplating murder. Swerving with my circus, looking for a purpose. Pseudo clean record hope got so you said it was too exhausting to talk about why Trump is an effing idiot. So we should probably start talking about it. So what, what, what did he do now? I knew you were, I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were going to do it. I shouldn't have even said anything. I should have just kept it to myself. Uh, he just, it, it, it's exhausting because it's, I mean, we talk about it so much um, and it's exhausting be, it's just it, it's Trump. So he he attacked DeSantis again. He came out and he said DeSantis wouldn't be governor, you know, if it wasn't for him. And he's responsible, you know, for all the great things that happened in the state of Florida, you know. And he's you know he he said DeSantis locked everybody down during COVID and and this that and the other. And it's just like. It's exhausting because it's it's like, why are you attacking Ron DeSantis, right? Ron DeSantis has not declared his candidacy. Ron DeSantis has you know made no overtures that he you know has an intention to run. Um, he hasn't even alluded to you know to to a desire to run. Ron DeSantis he, he's largely ignored all the attacks you know thus far, which I think is the right answer. But it's just it, it it's it is like Trump is absolutely terrified of Ron DeSantis, um, you know for whatever reason. It, you know when he came out and called him Ron DeSanctimonious, you know a couple months ago. Um, it's just it's unnecessary for Trump to be attacking Ron DeSantis right now. It just it it doesn't make sense. Um, you know for for him to do that, and you know DeSantis came back. DeSantis actually responded. Um, to uh, you know, to the latest uh, jab from uh, from Team Trump, and DeSantis is like, "Hey, I'm busy running the state of Florida. Everybody, I get out of bed and everybody's attacking me." He goes, "I don't, t- I don't pay too much attention to it." Basically, I'm kind of paraphrasing here. He said, "Basically, I don't pay too much attention to it." Um, but the the voters in the state of Florida, he's like, "I won by double the amount of votes and you know, of any GOP." Uh, gubernatorial candidate in his, in the history of the state of Florida. He goes, so the voters have spoken. Right. Um, and so he, uh, you know, he, he left it at that. So it, again, I mean, Trump's still talking about stolen elections and, uh, and stuff. And, and now he's, you know, he, he's continuing to attack DeSantis and it's just, it's just, a, it's, it's a bad look. It's really a bad look. No, I don't disagree with you. I, I don't disagree with you. And I, and I think I even saw Sebastian Gorka jump on the train today and he started talking, you know, basically, you know, talking points and kicking out the same tweets. And it makes me wonder. So one, Trump's attacking him because, well, what, well let me back up a couple of steps. I don't like it to begin with because that's what you, that's what the primaries are for. But even when you look at the primaries previous to uh, 2016 and, and, and before that, the 2016 election, Generally, generally, it was pretty hands off as far as personal attacks and really uh, cutting deep wounds, right? Because those wounds that you cut or that you that you make, they're going to carry over into the general election. And it seems like in the 2015, 2016, uh, you know, I, we all saw it. I mean, that, that was part of the that was part of the infatuation with Donald Trump was that it was a no holds barred guy. And I have no issues with doing that on policies. Okay. Uh, or, you know, obviously direct hits on character, which we'll get into and talk about some other folks or whatever. Part of it is why do you do it so early? 
it, it doesn't help anybody out. And, and you do have to remember that the ammo, the same ammo you use now is going to be used in the general. Uh, but I think it comes down to, and this is just my guess, this is Donald's Trump way of a preemptive strike uh, to deter DeSantis from running. And so I don't know if it has any impact. Uh, you know, you, when you get on Twitter and you look at the polls, we see them both ways. I think I even saw, and I forget which one of you said it during the last episode, when they were, we were asking, why is Trump polling so high? Like, uh, you know, it's probably some Democrats. And I think they actually found one of the polls and they're like, yeah, this is led by a, a DNC operative. You know, so a lot of them are obviously purposely trying to push Trump. And I think what I would like to see, and I agree with you, I think it's far too early. Hey, once you get into campaign mode or campaign season and the primaries, you know, you do what you got to do. And I get it. And we can argue how that should be conducted. Uh, but at this point, it's it's far too early. And the only thing that I agree with Ronna McDaniel and what she what she said since being reelected is that the party definitely needs to come together because if not, and you go in fractured with three or four candidates, uh, you have no shot at, at beating, uh, you know, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, or anybody else that the left puts up there. I mean, do you see it? Uh, you see it any 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 different, Luke, than than being a deterrence to maybe to try to keep him from entering the race? Yeah, maybe. Uh, Ron McDaniel might have uh, cut a deal with somebody uh, to to maintain her her position. Uh, and the deal might have been something to the effect of, you know, we're not going to throw our our weight behind Trump. I, I I bet it's it's very very complicated. But uh, right right off the bat, uh, we'll refresh the memory of old listeners and enlighten some new listeners on how at least I see Trump and what has become of him and a potential uh, candidacy. Uh, because I know Rodney is a new listener. I appreciate you listening, Rodney. Give you a shout out straight, straightforward. So I, I know there's a lot of uh, people who like Trump out there. It's not that the three of us dislike uh, Trump's presidency. I think all three of us would agree, as we've said many, many times, right guy, right place, right time in history. And I think he had a very successful presidency. Uh, I, I was telling uh, Roger before we started recording when Josh was sorting out his technical issues that I think Trump would have had a great second term. Uh, as well. I think some things might have fallen apart, but I think he would have had a good second term. The way I see it right now, uh, I I say Josh and I see it, maybe, uh, Roger, maybe, maybe not, is that I don't think Trump's the right man at the right place at the right time in history anymore. I think that that time has passed. Doesn't mean I hate Trump and uh, I regret voting for him. I don't. But uh, I just don't think he's the right guy right now anymore. I agree with Josh. I think that he's he's kind of jumping the shark a little bit on some of this stuff. I think he's uh, displaying his insecurity, and I think that that's that's pretty uh, transparent uh, to to everyone. Because uh, DeSantis is uh, right now uh, the greatest threat to him. Uh, Mike Pence better uh, <laughs> think twice. I think uh, Rick Scott is uh, is looking real serious. I think he traveled to Iowa recently, but uh, yeah, Trump. I think. Uh, I don't know. There's not enough people around him uh, telling him what he needs to hear right now. And I think that's that, that might have been always the case. I mean, Trump is a smart guy, but he does need honest, uh, <laughs> honest people around him who are going to tell him that no BS. And I, I don't think uh, I think there's a reason those people haven't existed. I think it's you fired. I think it's that. Uh, I mean, Josh, you I, I think you agree on that one. Correct. That uh, you, you thought that the Trump presidency was pretty good. Every presidency has its faults. I didn't agree on everything. 
we know you didn't agree on the bump stock ban, but uh, you also don't agree with uh, Ron DeSantis uh, having red flag laws. So, <laughs> I mean, what yeah, do you think? no, I you you a Trump hater? You always been no, a Trump hater? I uh, I voted for I voted for Donald Trump twice. Um, I thought he had I thought he had a good presidency. I thought it could have been a great presidency had the uh, you know the left not spent their time attacking him, um, you know, and, and cooking up these, these hoaxes like, you know, the Ukraine phone calls and Russian collusion and, and everything. And, uh, I think it could have been great had the, you know, conservative dot, dot ink or, or conservative ink, uh, you know, not worked against him as well. You know, the, uh, the, the Paul Ryan's, um, and, uh, and, and crew that, you know, actively work to, to subvert him, um, you know, behind closed doors. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I completely agree with you. He was the right guy at the right time. That time has passed. Um, you know, is, and even DeSantis, like you said, I disagree with some of the things that DeSantis has done in Florida, but I, you know, I agree with uh, more of the things that DeSantis has done in Florida and DeSantis is probably going to sign the Florida legislature legislature just put forward. Uh, I believe it was uh, yesterday, day before yesterday uh, or in the last week uh, has put forward a bill for constitutional carry in the uh, in the state of Florida. So we'll uh, we'll see how we'll see how that goes. Um, I still I still believe DeSantis needs to answer. He, he he needs to answer to the citizens of Florida uh, why he has not, uh, you know, pushed the legislature to strike those uh, those red flag laws um, from the uh, from the books. What's up? So when Damon moves to Florida from Nebraska or Idaho or Iowa, wherever hell he lives. He's going to be able to constitutionally carry his uh, Davy Crockett battlefield tactical nuclear weapon with him. Yeah. <laughs> Is it that kind of con- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Thanks for the feedback, Damon. Go ahead. Jeff. No, that was uh, so that was, you know, that was basically all I uh, all I had to say. But, I, you know, I do. I think uh, I think DeSantis and I think every governor, uh, especially Republican governor, they have uh, they need to answer for any red flag laws. Um or any uh, you know further unconstitutional gun laws that are that are currently on their state's books, um, and, uh, and and being enforced. So, but again, I like the Trump. Uh, I like the Trump presidency, uh, but you know that that time is over. Um, I don't think we need Trump 2.0. I don't think another Trump presidency is what the country needs. Um, and let's face it, Donald Trump made some very very bad hiring decisions. He hired some absolutely terrible people from the get-go, right? I mean, really, you picked Jeff Sessions as your AG right out of the gate. How did that work out? You appointed Christopher Ray to the FBI. Yeah, how'd that work out? Bill Barr, Mike Pompeo. Like, th- these people sucked. They sucked. John, John Bolton. Bolton. Like, these people just sucked, you know, and, and I get it. You hate you hate Mike I, Pompeo. Mike Pompeo, yes. Do you do you do you like Mike, Mike Pompeo? Well, no, I'm not necessarily. I don't think he's the worst. Well, the world, no, he's but. not the worst in the world, but he's not somebody I would want. And you know, if I was a conservative, 
uh, you know, America first, um, non-establishment, you know, uh, candidate, president, Mike Pompeo wouldn't be on my short list of uh, people I want to hire. Let's, I mean, let's, you know, let's face it. And Mike Pompeo has shown his true colors, you know, since, uh, since, you know, the Trump administration has ended, he's attacked Trump. Uh, Mike Pompeo is all about, you know, fully funding and supporting the war in Ukraine. Um, you know, Mike Pompeo is all about the, uh, you know, the, the establishment. Um, and quite frankly, that just, that's kind of, it's a non-starter with me. So that's my, that's my two cents for, uh, for what it's worth. Folks, Josh has had a long day today and he's a little bit on the grumpy side because when we started recording, he was having some technical issues and we were kind of hassling about that. And Josh, on behalf of Roger, we apologize to you for that. So (laughs) those of you on YouTube can see Josh's reaction. Roger, what do you got for us? Now, what I do like about DeSantis is, and and it's not just him, I I like when governors run because you have a record. You have a very clearly defined record. One thing, and and I think this is where you're going to find how much appeal he has because he's not really in the national spotlight yet. He has been, okay, he's had some snippets here. Uh, that he that he's done very well with, especially when you look at the hurricane down there. And I think the Dems wanted to shine a spotlight so we can see how badly he f's this all up, and then that blows up in their face, and then you know they move on to something else. So the snippets that he's had uh, has been very good, at least in my opinion, very positive. Uh, once you're on the national stage for an extended period of time, you see how they hold up under the pressure, how they how they speak, are they able to maintain the uh, the same positions that they've held. The one thing I will say about him, and and you know, I'm not a, a biographer of, of DeSantis. I can't tell every little thing that he's done, but it seems like the legislature, at least at what I've seen and, and what comes out of Florida, that makes it on the national news or, or out west here, he believes in the bills that he's signing. He, he he believes in those causes, and I think he can honestly defend them. And I think that goes a long way. Uh, as far as the red flag laws, you know, for those out there, you know, we always give Josh a lot of poop over that because, you know, he's always looking for the perfect candidate. Well, hey, everybody sucks. Guess what? We can go through every president back to Reagan and George Washington had a crappy cabinet. It happens. It, it, you know, they make crappy decisions. They have crappy cabinet members. Uh, right now with Trump, you know, it's a, you know, Josh hit it on the head. It wasn't even just the left. It was the left and the right that was coming after him. And now you've got everybody that has any aspirations on the national level trying to make their money off of them. Uh, just like with the Ukraine thing. I can't think off the top of my head, maybe you guys can, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head in the national spotlight that doesn't support the Ukraine effort right now. It seems like everybody all of a sudden, hey, Ukraine, 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 unless you have no, uh, the, the Rand Pauls out there that are like, hey, he, he's really kind of like, this is what I'm doing. But it seems like just about everybody else that I've seen out there, it's all it's all aboard on Ukraine. Democrats or Republicans, you know, I'm sure there's a couple, you know, outliers out there, but uh, for the most part, yeah, Josh is typing, it's the end thing to do, you know? And so it'll be interesting to see that when he gets, if he decides to run, right. Uh, if he decides to run for president and he gets in that national spotlight, uh, I do think that with Trump, what he's doing, I, I think it's going to be effective. And I, and when I say that maybe not to the extent that he doesn't decide to run, 
but he's he's definitely going to factor the, the that into his decision making process. You know, do you really? Because I think what he's doing, and again, you can disagree with it, agree with whatever. I'm just saying, I'm trying to provide some reasoning and analysis of what he's doing. You not only want Ron to think about it, you want his family to think about this. Uh, do you want to subject your family? Does your family want to go through this for possibly an entire year? Uh, because when you go back to the 2016 election, 2015 uh, primaries, he annihilated some folks. I mean, we've got Facebook chats on here. I mean, he completely annihilated some folks. Uh, and again, I don't think DeSantis necessarily has that type of baggage that a lot of these other folks have. Uh, plus, again, as governor, a lot of that stuff comes out, right? A lot of that stuff when he ran against Nikki Freed and, and who was the other guy, Charlie Crist? Uh, when he ran against them, a lot of that stuff comes out, especially in the state of Florida. Uh, it's not like North Dakota. Sorry, North Dakota. I get it. Uh, but let, let's be real. You know, the spotlight isn't on North Dakota or Wyoming as it is uh, in a state like Florida that up until his latest election would, was considered a purple state. Right. Uh, now they say, you know, they're saying it's, it's, it's predominantly red. So I think he's gone through a lot of those that that vetting process that a lot of other folks don't get. Unlike, uh, you know, George Santos, who gets elected and pretty much lies about everything, and apparently nobody checked anything. Like even the, and I know we're jumping around here a little bit, and if you want to jump on this one, Josh, you can, but, so George Santos, okay, and these are just the big ones, right? The ones that are a member of Congress, lied about his high school, the one that he attended, lied about the colleges that he went to, lied about working at Goldman Sachs, lied about Citigroup, and then there's like 30 or 40 other things that he lied about. So not only, here's what kills me. Not only did the Republicans not vet him, the Democrats didn't vet him. I mean, like, this is like some basic Googling, right? It, it, it is mind-boggling. I mean, you, you think that the, because I sit here and I'm just like, man, how did they let a guy like this get, you know, especially like, hey, where did you go to college? You know, maybe you need to fax me a copy of your diploma. And maybe he did. Maybe he made it up. Who knows? I, I don't know how deep he went into all this stuff, but... When you look at the right not vetting their own candidates, while the quote-unquote enemy, the people running against him, they didn't vet him either. You know, and I don't know who ran against him, and, and I don't even know if they threw anybody up. I'm assuming they did, so maybe it's just me speaking out of turn. But uh, you know, I want Josh's opinion on this. And you can go back to talking about DeSantis if you want to as well to close that out. But with George Santos, so he, he said today that he's going to sit out on every committee until everything's all cleared up. Okay. And he's basically come out and he's apologized whether you cared for his apology or not. He's like, you know, yeah, you know, I kind of, I kind of stretched the truth a little bit on my, you know, resume. And I'm not saying what he did is right because what I hear from what he put on his resume versus the truth, it's night and day, dude. But you know what? We got somebody else that's sitting in the white house. That's just as bad. You know, uh, you know, maybe George, you know what George Santos should have said? He should have said, yeah, I graduated from college. Uh, I went to, uh, you know, UPenn and I sat in on, uh, professor Biden's class. He, sh- he should remember me being there. I sat in on every one of his classes that semester because yeah, there's no record of Biden being a professor there either. Right. Train conductor, truck driver, Amtrak, you go down the list. So Josh, I kind of want to get your opinion on George Santos. Where do you think that goes? And then, you know, where do you draw the line between what he did and what Biden, and even if you even draw a line between what he did and is doing and, you know, the, the gaffes, or I call them lies, uh, that Biden's been telling for years? Yeah, it, the whole George Santos thing, I, it, it, like you, it kind of boggles the mind that this guy, nobody did any level of due diligence on this guy. None whatsoever. Um, 
And, you know, if you're out there and you're listening right now and you want due diligence done on somebody, uh, you know, hey, hit, hit me up. Um, I, I'm more than happy to do that for a, uh, you know, for a <laughs> fee. Um, but it's just, you know, when it comes to, you know, the lies that, you know, he's told, I don't like to see that out of elected officials. But like you said, are they any worse than lies that have been told not only by Biden, but by a number of other elected officials? Is it, is it, I mean, really, is it as bad? I mean, you can go back to, I mean, you know, you can go way in, in the way back machine, um, you know, go back to Clinton. Clinton lied to everybody. You know, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yeah, eventually he came clean and Santos is coming clean. But Clinton lied. Nixon. Nixon lied to everybody, um, you know, initially. So it just to me, I, honestly, what are you going to do? What are they going to do? They're going to kick him out of Congress. At the end of the day, man, voters voted for him. Voters said, this is my guy. And if those voters are upset about it, well, then maybe you should have done the due diligence. We've harped on that a number of times on this podcast. Be an informed voter. Check out your candidates. Do not take them at face value for what they're saying. Why? Because I don't care what politician it is. They're going to lie to you at some point. Scott Roger. So, and I think that's where I have the issue. Wouldn't you say that's a bigger problem that he told those lies during the election, which probably led to votes versus now getting a lie is a lie, but there's a difference between telling a lie after you're elected on some story, you know, whatever, versus I'm telling a lie on some qualifications that might be the reason that some people are voting for. Yeah, that's possible. But if you're voting for somebody just because they went to a certain college, well, then I tell you what, why don't you just stay home and sit this one out? If you're voting for somebody just because of their sexual preference, again, why don't you just stay home and sit this one out? If that's what really got you, you know, up off the couch and to the polls, well, then you really shouldn't be voting in the first place. Right. I mean, what did you know, is there something that's, uh, you know, Santos, is there something that he did that he well, he rather he said he did and said, you know, I did this policy. I wrote this policy. I passed this bill. You know, I did this, you know, legislatively or in some capacity. Right. That. OK, maybe. Right. When you start talking about that, I did this, I did this, I, you know, oh, OK, well, that's, you know, he sh- I share the same values, you know, it's got blah, blah, blah. OK. But when you're talking about, you know, where you graduated in your class, OK, if that's what got you to the poll to vote. Well, I mean, he did say that he he increased revenue at Goldman Sachs by like two hundred fifty million dollars. So, I mean, you know, talking about bringing revenue back in the district, and I get your point. It's just that that's where the fine line, I think, for me is. And I don't know anything about the dude. So, I, you know, I can't tell you his background or anything. Just that that to me is a little bit of a line. Uh, nor should you know anything about him. You know why? Because he's not your representative. And he, here's, here's my thing. is like, are his constituents okay with it? Are his constituents okay with that? Because y'all hear me rant about the House of Representatives all the time. That's your touch point, Right. So if he goes back to his constituents, which he should, and he probably hasn't, because now he's apologizing to the nation. It's like, no, apologize to your constituents. Apologize to them. Give them you know, a sincere explanation of what goes, what's going on and who you really are. And if they vote for him again, then I don't have a freaking problem with it. If they do. 
Now, when the president lies, that's a little bit different. When a congressman lies, they represent way more people. So I, I, I'm sorry to jump in on that, but it, uh, Josh, that was a really good point. Uh, I don't recall your exact words, but I, I had written it down and then you said it. Are his constituents good with it? You know, I, I think it's a, I wouldn't be okay with it. If so according to like that, the New York Post 10 hours ago, and I'm just pulling this off the headline, New York Post, so obviously not a liberal, 78% of his constituents say he should resign. Then there you go. And, and I do think go. it's because of that. I, I, I do think it's yeah, because of, of the misrepresentation. Not disagreeing with w- either one of you. That's what I was about to say. If my representative did something like that, I'd be like, oh, this dude's got to go. Because I don't want that dude, that certified sociopathic liar, representing me. You know? So, yeah, sorry to jump in there, but that's, that's just how No, it no. And those are very – I mean, you, you brought up a very valid point. Um, here's, here's my question. You know what's crazy? Is that I think – I think the founders, in their wisdom, um, I think there's a process to recall elected officials. Yep. That's crazy. They thought but about that back then? They I thought know. about that? That's <laughs> I know. insane. So if, if, if it is true that 78% of his constituents you know, want him to resign, well, there's a process for that. There is a constitutional process for that. Why don't one of you aspiring, astute, you know, individuals that feel so betrayed, why don't you get the ball rolling and have a recall election and recall them and kick them out and elect somebody else. And next time, do your damn due diligence and learn about your candidate. It's crazy. So – one more thing about Ron DeSantis, uh, for you new listeners out there, um, we make a lot of predictions that end up coming true. Uh, one we made recently was uh, Gavin Newsom coming out as bisexual. And Ryan, two things. There's nothing wrong with Coors Light, my man. What am I supposed to be drinking? Some namby-pamby, you know, bonefish, whatever, IPA? No, man, I drink what I like. I, I took a step up from Coors Light. I finally made, or from Keystone Light. I finally made it in the world, number one. <laughs> so... You know, number two, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll just go ahead. Number two, we said uh, that uh, Gavin Newsom will come out as bisexual within anywhere from six to 24 months from now uh, before the election. Uh, and Ryan, I think that Josh's best line was, Oh, there's white males in in, uh, in Gavin Newsom, all right. Not not Roger walks around warmed up, which was a good one. But Josh's best lie, he had two zingers in the last one. Go back and listen to the last episode, y'all. It was really good. But uh, here's another prediction. DeSantis, uh, when he runs, which he will, he's going to have a lot of university fraternity, and I put air quotes on this, ghosts in his closet uh, that will come out, a la Brett Kavanaugh. You mark our words on that. That dude's going to get all kinds of people coming out of the woodwork uh, like like Brett Kavanaugh did. I, that's that, I think that's going to happen with DeSantis. Uh, I, I mean, you guys, Roger, you agree or disagree on that? I mean, t- to me, that that's a that one, and I still stand by voter suppression of Florida. I, I still think that they're going to hit on him. They're going to, of course, they're going to call him a racist. Of course, that's too easy. Uh, white male racist. 
He's going to be a little bit tougher, though, because of his background, military background, Navy SEAL. He held a clearance. There's going to be a lot of that stuff that I think they're going to come out with it. But I think, don't get me wrong, they're going to, they're going to fire their arrows, right? But I think there's going to be, well, he went to Bud's, though, right? I think he went to Bud's. Right? Didn't he go to the training? Yeah, I think he went to Bud's. Uh, Google that, uh, Luke. So the, I think a lot of that stuff will come out, but I think he had a clearance in the Navy. Uh, with his military background, not say they do the the best background checks, but there'll be stuff hurled at him. Uh, I just don't know that that it'll stick. And so far, again, from what I've seen, he's pretty polished. Where and and I think this is what separates him and Trump from from again from what I've seen. Trump has to have the last word, uh, and, and may even go down the road of maliciousness to get that last word. Um, and maybe some false half truths to get that last word. Whereas DeSantis tends to kind of take it in and then maybe gives it that, uh, that moment of clarity that that thought, and then comes out, uh, with something, uh, very decisive, very coherent, uh, and addresses the issue at hand. That that's what I've seen from DeSantis. I haven't seen him cook off yet. Uh, he was a seal jag guy, support guy, did not go to buds. Okay. So I stand corrected. I thought he went to, to buds, um, Either way, with the with the military background, maybe he had a clearance, maybe he didn't, um, and and that, of course that's a big difference, right? Uh, because with the clearance, he would have gone through a lot more of a background check than uh, than had he not. So I think he'll get them. I think they'll bounce off of them. I don't think they stick. The guy seems like he's he's had a pretty clean background. And again, going back to to him as governor, I mean, a lot of that stuff's been thrown out. Believe me, if there was something out there like that, Charlie Chris would have brought it up. Uh, especially as that lead started to grow and grow and grow and he started losing, losing the grass and being Florida. Uh, I think they would have pulled out all the stops if something out there uh, was like that. What's up? Yeah. I mean, but back the, the seal Jag guy, right? I mean, right. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not the, 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 as my close friends know, I'm not the biggest seal fan in the world, but I will say this to be picked up, by any any of the SEAL teams to be a JAG guy, you have to be very trusted by them. I mean, you think about the JAG guys that were uh, attached to some of the units that we've served with. They were very, very well trusted. Um, so, I mean, I think that says something about him. I mean, I don't think he, he ever claimed to go to BUDS or anything, but uh, I do think that, that that should not be overlooked, that they're very selective on who they pick because yes, they do pick their JAG officers. They go through a whole uh, screening process and a, a boarding process. So uh, didn't mean to cut you off there, Roger. I just want to throw that in before I forgot. No, absolutely. And I think Josh hit, hit it on the head with George Santos with the recall. If the people are, if his constituents are really angry, well, here's where the rubber meets the road. Let's see the guy get recalled, right? Uh, as far as uh, Gavin Newsom, uh, yeah. So once every 54 episodes, uh, which Josh threw them both out at the same time. So I don't know. He pulled out for game seven or whatever. So so some great lines there. Uh, one last thing before I kick it over to Josh. So the only reason Luke went from Keystone Light to Coors Light was because we started doing YouTube. Okay. Back when we were just <laughs> podcasting and you couldn't see the can... He was drinking Keystone Light. Once we went yeah, to Miller. YouTube and you could, act, and once you could actually see the can on video, he had to upgrade his game. And Miller High Life. And I don't even know if you can drink uh, water out of a out of a beer can on YouTube. I mean, Josh, are you familiar with the rule? On I don't. That? Well, sure I, mean, I don't know. Right? I mean, we've drank some. Uh, obviously, we've drank a lot of whiskey on this podcast on uh, on YouTube. So I don't see why you couldn't have a beer. I don't know. Maybe. 
I know that YouTube will ban you if you uh, if you video uh, yourself putting a uh, thirty round magazine into uh, your AR fifteen. I know that's not allowed. Yeah, and they won't. What they won't allow suppressors yeah, you on can't, there. They, yeah, you apparently. can't have. Uh, you can't. So you can have a suppressor, I think, but you can't show actually attaching the suppressor to your uh, your weapon. Um, well. Well, that makes all the right. sense it's in the so world. Dumb. Yeah. So as far as my uh, as far as my zingers uh, that both of y'all have, uh, have brought up, I guess you know, sun shines on a dog's ass every now and then, huh? Um. So yeah, it, you know, recall Santos uh, and everything. As for you know, as for the predictions, um, I could totally see you know some Brett Kavanaugh stuff coming out on uh, on Ron DeSantis. It's going to come out that you know it was it either happened in college. Or it's going to come out that you know it occurred while he was uh, you know he was governor um, of the state of Florida, and of course it'll be you know an undisclosed source or somebody you know can't say who it is or you know they'd be like um, you know it's going to be it's going to be something because they've got to do something um, to uh, <laughs> they've got to do something to you know to combat Ron Santos because he is like Roger said he's very polished. He is he he he's Trump policies, but he he is actually he's very polished. Um, he he conveys a point very quickly, and uh, and he does it. He it's it was he's, deliberate. He's, yeah. Sorry, I'm interrupting you. That's what I was looking. Yeah, at, was deliberate. no, he's he, he's very deliberate when you know in his uh, in his statements when he addresses, and he's very common sense. He Ron DeSantis knows how to talk to Joe Sixpack. Um, by and large, and I think a lot of that, you know, I mean, Ron DeSantis went to Harvard Law, um, you know, not an easy. He went to Harvard or Yale, one of the two. I want to say it was Harvard Law, um, but uh, you know, but it was one of the two. He's very, very polished. Obviously, he's a JAG officer, you know, and as a lawyer, you gotta, you know, at least somewhat have your stuff together. Um, so, I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it'll. I think it'll start coming out uh, very soon. He's already been called a racist. Um, you know, he's already been called a white supremacist. Uh, <laughs> you know, by everybody. He was called corrupt by uh, by Andrew Gillum, who you know now you know yeah oh, yeah Lord. the meth you know the the homosexual meth head um, who's uh, under FBI who was found guilty. Well, as he found guilty, he was charged with uh, a number of uh, cr- you know corruption uh, <laughs> under the RICO statute. You know what's funny is whenever <laughs> somebody talks about DeSantis, like when Nikki Freed talks about DeSantis back during the election, and I'm like, you know what? Here's the last person you voted for governor, and I show the picture where like Gillum's half naked on the yeah. floor with a crack pipe. Like nobody ever responds no, to me. I about. mean, what, what are you going to respond you know, to? I mean, if if you posted that on Facebook, Facebook may respond by uh, deleting your uh, Facebook account because you showed a uh, you know a picture and an unauthorized uh, picture um, of a sexual nature, which is what they uh, you know it's what they got got my uh, you know got my account on for the Hunter Biden in the bathtub photo. So yeah. Um, and I know you guys have it's kind of you know, uh, switching gears here. So I know you guys have seen the Tyree Nichols video. Um, I, you know, everybody, you know, really, you know, everybody was anticipating that, you know, coming out when Memphis was like, "Hey, we're going to release it," uh, you know, on Friday at six o'clock. I was like, "That's a really bad idea, right? Like, why would you do that Friday six o'clock right before the weekend?" Um, 
you know, with enough time for, you know, those who want to, you know, loot and pillage and burn, you know, give them time and then let that roll through the weekend before, you know, people really have time to address it. Um, I thought it was a really bad idea. Obviously, uh, you know, we didn't see the, uh, we didn't see the, the looting and the burning that we thought, you know, was going to, uh, you know, was probably going to occur. It's probably because all five officers were black and, you know, nobody involved in this was white. Uh, that's, uh, that's my opinion. But the video, you know, it, it, with the Michael Brown and, you know, incident and, and the other incidents, everybody was able, you know, you were able to look at that. And, but, you know, there was always discussion on the videos. It's like, well, maybe, I don't know. Like, this was probably one of the most clear videos of police brutality I've seen uh, in a probably a very long time. Uh, you know, I was watching the video um, and everything. And I think I was good with the initial traffic stop. Um, I don't know why. I, I would like to know what predicated the stop to begin with because that's not shown in the body cam uh, of the uh, of the officers involved. But I would like to know why he was stopped. I know they said reckless driving or something. It's like, okay, well, how reckless? Um, you know, how reckless is reckless? Uh, I was good with the officers at the initial stop. You know, they're trying to tell him to get on the ground. There was a little bit like, hey, you're yelling at the dude. You got five people yelling at him to do things. He can't, you know, respond to all five of you at once. You know, and he's not exactly he's not exactly compliant, uh, you know, uh, prior to him running. Uh, so and then he runs away. All right. It's never going to end well if you run from the cops, uh, generally speaking. Um, once they, you know, re, you know, re-arrest him or once they catch up with him again after that, like it, it's bad. Like it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible um you know the those cops actions and um when you take a look at uh you know they were part what those are what was the name of the they, they were some part of like some gang unit the scorpions, scorpions right and so you're like oh the scorpions it's like okay why are you guys called the scorpions can't you just be like the anti-crime unit or the anti-gang unit or or whatever you're focused on you're the scorpions <laughs> like those guys have watched too much training day that, that, that was my thought. I was like, these guys have watched Training Day way one too many times. They think they're Denzel, and you know they they can just kind of do what they want. The fact that they have body cams on and they still acted in the manner in which they acted that tells me that there is a culture problem within the Memphis Police Department. To know that you're being recorded but you still act that way that 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 showed that showed a culture. Um, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, we called it on the podcast, uh, you know, when during the George Floyd, it's like, if you keep villainizing police officers, the good ones are going to leave and you're going to be left with the bad cops. And then you're recruiting, you're going to have to lower your standards to fill those manning gaps that you have. And that's exactly what's happened. Um, I can't remember exactly how many, but a number of those police officers were hired after Memphis police department lowered their recruiting standards to, uh, to fill manning shortages. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, that's what you got on, uh, on that. Yeah. Initial thoughts on that video, man. It was really, really bad. Luke, I'd be curious to, uh, one, to hear, hear what you think. And two, how and why 
is the is the left still trying to tie this back to white supremacy? Uh, because it just, it, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. No one involved in this was a white. So, does that gain traction with uh, with anybody? No, I kind of have a lot. Well, yes, no. I, I think overall, no. Uh, but real quick, Scorpion is supposed to stand for, not supposed to, Scorpion stood for, because it's been disbanded now, street crimes operations to restore peace in our neighborhoods. And now my dog is barking, and it's it's driving me crazy. So audience, y'all are just going to have to deal with it. Those of you who listen in my neighborhood, you're used to my dog barking at you. So welcome to my world. So what do I think about it? I, I agree with Josh. It was... Uh, I'd like to know why the guy was stopped. I'd like to, it, not that it matters, not that it matters. It's like two things can be true at one time, right? Uh, the second half of that, you know, the pole cam video and the video where they're standing him up and just beating him. I mean, come on. I mean, taking full on punches to the face like Hollywood. It does, at that point, it doesn't even matter why he was stopped, right? I don't think that's what Josh was saying. That's not what I'm saying, but I still would like to know why he was stopped. Uh, based on the guy's reaction to being stopped, the, the certain things he was saying, uh, uh, Tyree Nichols, while they were they were putting him down on the ground, he was not used to that type of treatment. This, this guy did not, to me, seem like a street thug, straight up street thug. He didn't seem like that. He seemed like a kid to me. Uh, so, so, yeah, but that said, I would still like to know why he was stopped. I'd still like to know a little bit of background. On that, I have a feeling it's not going to be much. I have a feeling, like Josh said, the culture within that department, especially with that unit, was a little bit too much the shield and, you know, the wire and training day type of type of environment in there. Uh, <laughs> there there's no excuse for that. And that that's the kind of stuff that that honestly uh, get, gets me thinking. I, I've I've worked with law enforcement quite a bit over my career. And I, I think that the majority of cops are good. Uh, the vast majority of cops are good. Uh, the vast majority of cops are the types of people you want responding to an incident. Unfortunately, and you guys have seen it in your military career, when there's a toxic environment with people egging each other on, it can get carried away really fast. Uh, let's go back to the Navy SEALs. Ask the Navy SEALs carrying around tomahawks. What the fuck? I mean, <laughs> well, what's with that? You know, it can just get carried away. The white supremacy thing. I understand how the likes of the critical race theory folks, I can't, I can't think of the two names right now, Robin D'Angelo and, and the other moron. I see how their Marxist ideology would say that. I, I, I understand because law enforcement is, you know, specifically in the United States, is a system that's created by the white man. And it doesn't matter if a black man is part of that system, that black man or woman is now an uncle Tom. So therefore it's white supremacy. They're working on behalf of the man. So, so I get, I get why they say that that doesn't make it any better. I just understand where they're going with this. It's Marxist straight up. It's Marxist. Now I'm going to say something a little bit, um, controversial, if you will. Uh, I, I told this to Scott the other day because, you know, it was like Memphis is going to burn. 
Atlanta is going to burn all this stuff. Uh, it's going to, it's going to be like George Floyd. And part of me was like, you know what, if it is like George Floyd, that would at least show me that a certain segment of the community is not purely, I'll say it racist because how much of the nation burned last weekend? How much of the nation burned? Not much. It truly was mostly peaceful. I don't want the nation to burn, uh, but I, I think it shows a certain level of hypocrisy. I mean, when cops do that, everyone should be equally outraged, no matter what race those cops are, beating the hell out of somebody, not the hell, beating somebody to death, who it didn't need to happen. They messed up. It doesn't matter the race. You want to you want to burn something down because the cops did something unjustified? Cool. Why you got to bring bring race into it? And yes, this is what I'm trying to say. If those are five white cops or six or whatever, do you think Memphis would have burned that night over the last weekend? Yes, it absolutely would have. But apparently, certain people, and I'm not even going to say blacks. I'm going to say Antifa is what I'm going to say, who's made up primarily of upper class, college educated white kids would have pushed a narrative to burn that city to the ground. And I'm saying we're just we're just confused, man. We're confused right now. It's okay if six black cops beat a black kid to death. Is it okay if six white cops beat a white kid to death? Are we going to riot over that? What's wrong is wrong. What's wrong is wrong. You're going to burn a city down, you know, make sure it's for the right reason. You know, make sure it's Sherman's March to the Sea. I don't know. I just saw a lot of hypocrisy. I didn't want anything to burn. Obviously, I never do. Uh, well, sometimes, but not in this case. I just, I think it showed a level of hypocrisy within the left. I'll say the left. It's not a black-white thing. It's just, come on, man. Let, let's all get on the same page here. Cops beat most likely an innocent person to death because of a culture and all this stuff. I don't know. Roger, I was, uh, you know... I'd mentioned that to Scott. We had a we had a long discussion about that. I, I was just I don't want to say I was disappointed. Maybe you can encapsulate my feelings better than I can on this. It's a little emotional subject for me. It's not that I was disappointed that anything burned. I'm of course I'm glad that there was no, you know, property damage, people losing their businesses and stuff. But at the same time, it'd be like, well, at least they're consistent. You know, with their, you know, at least they're consistent. But in this case, it 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 I'm lacking a little consistency here. You know, I mean, what do you think about that? I don't think the three of us have really talked about that aspect of it. Maybe maybe we mentioned it in passing. So to be fair, the uh, Tyree Nichols family was all over the, the news, and then there was a lot of, hey, don't go out there and burn the cities down. You know, again, whether these folks listen to them or not, who knows or whatever. But I did see a lot more of that prior to uh, the other incidents. So I got a quick question here. So in your opinion, and I'll get yours first, Josh, and then Luke's, in your opinion, exact same scenario, if Tyree Nichols was white, would he be dead? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, I mean, obviously there have been cases of, uh, of police officers, you know, straight up shooting, uh, you know, white dudes. Uh, I mean, you know, 
let's go back to uh, let's go back to January six. Yeah, the only person who died on January six yeah. was a uh, an unarmed white female shot by a black police officer. Um, I don't remember the country getting burnt down for that. Um, so, what do you think, Luke? Uh, I think uh, the the answer to this is the same answer to any question when it comes to um, practicing counterintelligence or human intelligence. It depends. It depends. Like in that exact same situation, I don't know how many white white folks live in that neighborhood where where he was stopped. Uh, I think it depends. I think, boy, that's a tough one, Roger. That's a good question right off the top. I would hope. Jeez, this is such a weird. <laughs> no, you don't want to say you hope. About. You don't want to say you. You don't want to hope that somebody's <laughs> going to get beat to death. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? I'm going to say it. Probably not. Probably not. Because a lot of these arguments that, that you hear from even people on the left, you know, um, there is a lot of animosity within the black community, um, law-abiding black community against the non-law-abiding black community. And I think that those police officers, uh, I'm not saying they were justified at all. I'm saying they were feeling animosity. And I think that's a deep animosity. And I think that's part of that culture Josh was talking about. I think, uh, oh, you want to mess with us? Oh, we're, you know, I, I, I think that there was animosity there. So, yeah, I'll go ahead and say it. No, I don't think that same animosity would have been there. Um, I'll say in that exact situation, no. But come at me with some West, some West Virginia cops out there in the, in the hill country. West Virginia out there in the hillbilly country. Yeah, dude, that dude would be dead as, dead as Dillinger, man. Dead as Elvis. Dead as Conway Twitty. So the next question, I'm going to go back to Josh. If Tyree's Nichol, Tyree Nichols doesn't resist arrest, which he does, it's pretty clear, is he still alive? I don't know. Um, again, because, it, you know, it's one of those things like you can see in the video, they were amped up when they initially pulled him out of the car. And so that's really – I mean, that's the reason I want to know why he was stopped. Like, why are you already – like, dude, you, they're already in the red. You know, when they pull him out of the car, it's like, what in the world happened? Now, whatever happened, you know, again, I'm not saying that it justified, you know, they them literally beating him to death. But, you know, I always want the Paul Harvey on everything. And I don't feel like he got the Paul Harvey on this. Um, I agree wholeheartedly with, you know, Luke's statements on it. And... You know, man, uh, I I don't know. Roger hitting, dude. What's up with Roger? He's hitting with some with some with some, with some good going questions. Deep. Yeah, yes. going deep. What about you, Luke? Man, Roger's going all journalist <laughs> on us. Man, we better we better watch it. Yeah, uh, I'll go back to what I said about this kid. Uh, was not expecting that. It, that that that's my uh, that's my viewpoint on it. He did not know what to do. And to what Josh said, um he had, you know, five different dudes or, you know, four or three, whatever it was yelling, not different things, but almost contradictory things to him at the same time. And he was shook. The kid was shook. If he would have had the Barack Obama, if I had a son talk, if he had had that, you know, where, Hey, Hey dude, when you get stopped by the cops, cause it is going to happen. Here's what you have to do. 
I mean, my dad had that talk with me. We talked about that early on, like maybe 15 episodes in, man. I think you're talking about George Floyd back then. It's like we had the talk and we're white, you know, middle class, privileged white people talking from a position of white privilege. If that kid would have had the talk and who knows, maybe he did. Maybe he did have the talk, but his brain just, you know, he had that adrenaline rush. You know, he hadn't had that. Uh, uh, he hadn't. He didn't have the 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 uh, adrenaline inoculation, if you will, uh, and he just freaked out. So, if he hadn't freaked out, to answer your, answer your question, Roger, if he hadn't freaked out, if he would have just laid flat, handcuffed, he would still be alive today. That's that's what I believe. I don't think they would have beat him to death there on the ground because the initial guys that stopped him, apparently. Uh, there's charges still pending on them, whether it's going to be manslaughter or something. It's when he ran away and they caught him. Yeah, his, his limbic system was out of control, baby. That's right, Josh. <laughs> and so, I know those are isolated question, questions, Ryan. so I'm, I'm not trying to hem you guys up. And I think you guys all hit it on the head. Point being, going back to, to Josh's, you know, Ukraine, Russia, they can both be wrong. Okay, now one was obviously a lot wronger than the other one was because a kid died. Um but you start from the upbringing. You start from the culture. I, you know, my I would opine that if he was a white kid, that he would have probably he'd probably still be alive. And I think the cops. And again, this is just me. It's my, I don't know anything else other than what we've talked about here and seen on the news. Uh, but I think that the the cops thought they could get away with it. I am. Well, before I say this, it goes back to again being pulled over by the police. What actions do you take? So he obviously was not in the right. Now, that clearly does not justify it because the beatdown is bad. Like, I watched that. I, I was sitting with my wife and we watched that. And I'm like, I saw the first body cam. And I was like, okay, it's kind of hard to tell because all I can do, I, all I can really see is like them trying to put him down. And he's not really wanting to go. And they showed the, the second cam that comes from the streetlight, I think. Uh, and that's just, dude, that's all bad. And, and they hold the guy up. And so it doesn't justify that. That It doesn't justify murder, okay, it, that flat out. But. Again, a lot of wrongs just take you down the, the wrong path. Uh, I agree with Josh where I want to see the whole story. And this is something that I always talk to my son about as far as the way, the reason why you want to act that way when you get pulled over, calm, cool, collected, you know, uh, you want to be responsive. Uh, you want to be, you know, you obviously want to obey the officer's command because you don't know what they have seen or not seen or what led them to pull the individual over. Uh, you know, like we talked about, we went back when we and Josh were arguing when they shot the kid eating the burger, <laughs> when the car was going back, we had to go frame by frame as the car. You have no idea what happened there. You know, uh, reckless driving is usually associated with drunk driving, you know, reckless driving. Again, this is post after it goes to court, but when they, it, it's usually interchangeable. Uh, but at the same time, you don't know, Hey, this car was seen, you know, three miles ago. It, it's Memphis. Okay. Uh, so one of the most, uh, you know, the highest crime rates in the country, uh, this car was seen and it robbed a liquor store three blocks in there. Who knows? We don't know any of that. So that could have been why they're ramped up. And that's what bothers me because I think if there's more to it, if I'm the police department, I want to get ahead of it. Hey, this is what we saw. This is what the police officer, and, and you can say this with all of them, right? Because even with the George Floyd case, even with the prosecution, they don't do a good job of, and this is going to sound wrong, but they're, they're not doing a good job of protecting their defendants. Uh, and, and it's not even a protecting, it's more of a transparency thing. Hey, here's the call. Here's what went out. Here's what happened five minutes prior in the area. Okay. Because I've got a close buddy that went through something very similar. He didn't die. Um, I think both, I think Josh may actually know him, but, uh, he pulled up and, you know, it was because something happened a couple blocks away. 
and he just happened to fit the bill. And so the cops roll up and they're all amped up. Um, so I'd like to see what went on before that, what predicated the call. And then when it comes down to the unit itself, so they go to obviously the police academy and, and, and whatever, which is like 21 weeks. Here is what the Scorpion unit training consists of. Three days of PowerPoint presentations, one day of suspect apprehension training, and one day at the firing range. So what you are seeing here is the culmination of just a whole lot of bad. You know, Tyree Nichols, again, doesn't justify murder, but he's not reacting the way that or responding the way that you would want somebody that's pulled over to respond. Okay. Uh, you have the cops that show up that are all amped up for whatever reason that we don't know. They obviously lack the training. And then, you know, above and beyond all that, it goes back to whichever the two of you said it. You know you have a body cam on you. You know there are cameras in that neighborhood. And you still go through those actions uh, because that's not even going back to what predicated the, the, the pullover. I mean, dude, that's amped up. That's jacked. Because even when he starts to run, that's what, that, that had to be several minutes. I mean, at least from what I could tell the body cam and this and that. I mean, there's some going on. And then you get to the point where they hold the kid up and then they just start beating him. And then he breaks out the ass. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. I mean, it's, it's just brutal, you know, and, and it's just, at the end of the day, it's murder. It's murder. And, and, and hopefully they're all charged. But I would say this, you know, if, if the kid was white, he'd probably still be alive. Uh, had he not resisted arrest, I think I side with Josh. I don't know that he would still be alive with that yeah i'm not sure i don't hey man i don't know it's like luke said you went all you went all barbara walters on us um you know you guys remember uh you guys remember you going back to luke's point you know the animosity uh you know between uh you know between you know uh, folks in the in the black community you guys remember boys in the hood um you know with ice cube and cuba Hell yeah i was thinking about boys remember in the when hood, I was yeah. thinking about Remember when that. Trey got Hell pulled yeah. over, you know, QB Gooding Jr. got pulled over by the police, by the black police officer and he shoves a gun in his face and he's, you know, talking, he's just, dude, he's just dogging him out for no, for no reason, none whatsoever. Um, like I, that's when you were saying that, when you were talking about that, I was like, oh shit, man, that's boys in the hood. Like that's what, that's exactly what happened. Um, you know, and, um, it, yeah, it, those, those officers, like I said, when they got up to the car, they were already amped up, like super amped up. And it's just kind of like, why? Why were they already, you know, um, like that? Uh, I, but again, it goes back to, you know, and um, the, the level of training to be on, you know, the, the Scorpion unit um, is, is insane. Uh, you know, that is that is that lack of uh, you know, a lack of training. Right. But I just I go back to that has to be a culture either within the entire Memphis Police Department or within that unit, um, because, you know, you're being recorded and you still act that way. Um, you know, at first I thought when it, you know, when it first came out, I was like, they know this kid. Like for some reason, like they know him. I know he doesn't have a, you know, he had no prior record. You know, he had not been in trouble with law enforcement before, but they know him. So in some way, shape or form. Right. There's a there's a previous relationship. Um, you know, I haven't seen anything to uh, to confirm that. Uh, but it was uh, it was really bad. That, that was that was a clear case. And I think that the, the Memphis police chief, I it, there's a level of negligence 
you know, with her coming out and saying before the video is released that it was worse than the Rodney King video. And you're like, when wow. she came out and said that, you know, it's like, okay, well, that's negligent for a couple of reasons. One, you're go- you're only getting people more amped up, right? If if people are already planning on you know burning, like you're you're just you're you know you're stoking the you're stoking the coals on that, and uh, and two, you know, you're tainting future the future jury pool, you know, by coming out and saying, well, oh, it's worse than Rodney King because the Rodney King one, Rodney King was bad. He didn't, you know, he did he survived. Um, but it was, but it was bad. And, you know, people have got to stop doing that. Uh, police chiefs, you know, sheriffs, elected officials before these videos come out, you have to stop. You you cannot go, Oh, it's really bad. Oh yeah. It's worse than, you know, whatever. It's just, it's the one of the century, right? Cause we, cause we have 20 of those, you know, every five years, you know, just a storm of the century. It's the, it's the worst one we've seen yet um, because you're just, you're getting people riled up um, and stuff. So they, they've got to stop doing that. I think she was very negligent uh, for the race baiters out there, for the crumbs, uh, you know, who's now taken on, uh, you know, with uh, Tyree Nichols family, that guy's an ambulance chaser. Uh, he, he's the lawyer version of, uh, of Jesse Jackson. And, uh, and Al Sharpton, that's all he is. Uh, you know, real quick, I do want to walk something back and I'm starting to cut, cut you off. I was just thinking about this. I do want to walk something back because something I think that we forget and I, and I, I forget, you know, when you look at how the, the reaction of Tyree Nichols, I say he resisted arrest and this and that. And again, not that we're anything better than anybody else in world training, but we've got a career in the military and law enforcement and this and that, and you go through certain level of training or whatever. And you look at a kid on the street, Tyree Nichols, say kid, young adult, young man who has no formal training, no military background, no police. You know, now that I look back at it, I mean, the guy probably feared for his life at that point. Right. And so when I say resist arrest, I mean, there probably comes a point where, Hey, if I think I'm about to get schwacked. Yeah, man. Right. You you go out fighting. So I do want to walk that back a little bit. And I, I don't want to say that, you know, there's obviously some resistance going on there, but there is a point where you have a normal civilian that's not subjected, that's never been subjected to any of this that we know of, that we're aware of. And you go through something like that, four or five police officers, they're kitted up, big dudes, uh, all of them yelling. And then you get to a point where, hey, man, I'm about to die. Like, I have to unass the ex, right? Well, yeah, I think he was definitely hit with the fight or flight response and he chose flight. That's what he chose. He chose, let's get out of here. But, you know, now we're talking biology and all this stuff, but fight or flight, he chose flight. But at some point, you know, when he was on the ground, you know, what we were talking about, he didn't know what to do. He's like, you guys are doing a lot right now. I don't know what to do. To me, like from a nature standpoint, that almost seemed like a prey that had already been caught by a predator. And you've seen those, you know, those, those, uh, Ibex or whatever they are in the African plain, they get caught by a by an alligator or something, and they just kind of give up right there. But then you see those videos. Sometimes they've given up, and then the alligator or the lion will kind of let go, and then they freaking bolt. They bolt because that's that's the that's the flight. I, I saw a lot of nature in that video, and it's just like I saw predators and I saw prey, and the predators were the cops, and the prey was uh, Tyree Nichols and. 
you know, I analogy. think the three of us can agree we did not like what we saw. Um, so let's lighten it up just a little bit and talk about Mr. The other video, Mr. Uh, <laughs> Paul Pelosi, <laughs> which is he's still alive. David DePape's still alive. So I think this is one we can kind of laugh at. So let's let's or not now you know what you know, it, it actually pisses me off no it, it pisses me off it go ahead all right I'll, I'll kick it straight to you and you can tell me why it, why it pisses you off but i want to get this out uh first of all uh scott <laughs> scott saw the video first and he saw the tyree nichols video first and he's texted me this stuff it's like hey man you need to watch this and i'm like i'm on i am driving i can't watch it i wish i could and uh, he said about uh, David DePape and uh, Paul Pelosi, he's like, that dude rocked him straight to sleep. And buddy, he did. I've seen some people knocked out in my day, like knocked the F out, like Friday, baby. And boy, man, Paul Pelosi was knocked out, snoring, that tongue sink, sinking back into the, you know, into the throat. <sighs> I hope that came through on my microphone there. Man, he was knocked out. But Roger, okay. So before I kick it to you and you can tell me why you're pissed, Paul Pelosi is very obviously a drunk. And he's old. He's best case scenario, late 70s, early 80s. You saw the first part of the video. Man, that hammer was going at that door. That guy was not necessarily at that point invited in. I mean, he was going to town on the door, right? I mean, I saw that part of it. If some dude, if I'm 79 years old and I'm drunk off my ass and some dude breaks into my house, I could see myself trying to talk him down. I could see myself being like, hey, huh, I'm kind of wasted right now. Uh, you want a cocktail with me? And trying to, you know, uh, bumble my way through a 911 call and not trying to alarm the dude. It's just, I'm not saying I believe his story. I'm just saying, in my mind, it's kind of plausible that he was acting like such an idiot, answering the door with a cocktail in his hand and his underwear. And people are like, well, why was he in his underwear? Well, because it was, it was late at night and he's 79 years old and wasted. He was probably on the couch with his hand down his pants, a la Al Bundy, uh, you know, watching, watching the game or something. I don't know. And hoping his wife doesn't come home anytime soon. I don't know, Roger. So tell me why. Tell me why that why that makes you mad. I'm not saying I believe Paul Paul Pelosi because there are a lot of suspicious. There are some suspicious stuff going on. Uh, it's horrible grammar, but Roger, why does it piss you off? Well, for the reasons that you just said, and and it's almost every conservative pundit that's out there, because when this and some that are very popular that we follow, and some that that are friends of friends of friends networking. The first video that was released, and I am no fan of the Pelosi. All three of us, neither, none of us are, are fan of the Pelosi's at all. Okay. I couldn't care less about either one of them. I don't know much about him, but you know, as far as her, I, I couldn't care less for her. But the fact is when the first video was released, that was of the police body cam, dude, it doesn't look good. Like I'm sitting here watching again, I'm watching it with my wife and I'm like, you know, the cop comes up and I see the painters tape around the window. It's like, okay, what's going on? And the knock on the door, yada, yada, yada. Door opens up. And then you've got this dude in his, his collared shirt and his underwear with a drink holding the hammer while, what's the other guy's name? Dave, David? 
while he's sitting there holding his hammer together. And it's like, what did we just walk into? Like what there's, you know, and, and that's what got reported, right? That's what got reported in the news. And so then all the pundits came off the conservative pundits and they, you know, started, you know, uh, dumping on them and this and that. So, well then fortunately Fox news was like, Hey, we have other video to play. So then they, they play that first video. Then they play the second video, which is the dude coming, trying to come into the back door with the hammer and he's going to town. I mean, there's glass shards, everything going everywhere. So then he's going to town. Then they show, or they play the, the nine one one call. So I think any reasonable person, when you sit there and you see both videos and you see, you hear the 911, that's exactly what went on. That dude was probably drunk, passed that on the couch. Like he said, had his damn hands down his pants, knocked the hell out. Okay. Again, probably passed out drunk. That happens. He wakes up. And even the guy, David, it seemed very calm when the police showed up and I, you know, listened to the 911 call. That's exactly it. He's trying to tell the cops, Hey, I need you here without saying I need you here. Right. So I, dude, I pictured exactly what you said. Hey man, are oh, oh, you waiting for my wife? Hey, let's let, let's have a drink. We'll wait for her together. You know, let me, let me put on a shirt or maybe he already had a shirt. He grabs a drink, you know, the, the phone call, you know, nine one one call. Oh yeah, it's all good. Yeah. No, I don't know him. We're fine. And you know, but again, he's throwing that you got a dude there with a hammer. What pisses me off about, about it, about all of it is they totally dumped on him uh, over this incident. You can dump on for other things. That's fine. But they went to town on them. But it, it's no different than what the left does. They took things out of context purposely. They knew the other videos were there. They knew the 911 call was there. They played the 15-second second snippet that was going to fit their narrative, fit their agenda. And that's what they showed the world. And then they all got on their little Twitter posts and this and that, made their comments, made their money, uh, tried to sway opinions. Pelosi's bad. And yes, she is. I, I get it. But you know what? To do that, you can be, believe me, she's done enough bad things in her life. That family's done enough bad things in her life. You don't have to lie about it. Okay. You don't have to take things out of context about it. And with something like this, it pisses me off that a lot of the conservative folks that we follow purposely, because there's no other way, reason why you would do it, purposely took this stuff out of context to portray a different light to support their narrative. That's what pisses me off about it. And, and for those out there that the Bonnies that were all conservative, we never call no, dude, I, I sat there and I was actually angry. I told my wife, I said, this is the problem with, with news nowadays, or, or, you know, we say journalism, or as Luke would say, activists, right. Or activism. That's the problem because they have an agenda. They have a narrative they're trying to portray and they're going to take whatever it is that you say, whatever it is that you do. Uh, and they're going to cut it, mold it, shape it, soundbite it, much like I do with our podcast and YouTube. So we have one coherent segment, but they're going to do whatever they got to do to fit their bill. Yeah. When the, so in the Paul Pelosi video, well, when the story first broke, I, you know, I think I said, um, I was like, that's a grinder date gone wrong. It was weird. It was, right? I mean, it, it was, was weird. It, it was, it was absolutely bizarre, right? You're thinking of, you're, you're, you're listening to this and you're like, wait, hold on. The third in line to the presidency, somebody could just walk up to their door and smash their way in. Like that just doesn't like it doesn't make sense. Nothing about it made sense. Right. And then, you know. But Josh, let me ask you this real quick as you as you give your thoughts. Why did the Pelosi's or the police or whoever, I, I don't know who exactly stopped it. Why did they wait so long to release everything else? That to me paints a that, very clear picture. Yes. And that was, you know, and that was I, w- I was going to bring that up is. You know, and we talked about it in the last episode. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. You would not have had all of these conspiracy theories swirling around if you would have immediately 
release that video because as soon as you see the dude smashing his way in with a hammer, you're like, all right, that guy's not invited. Like, you know, it wasn't, Hey man, I'll leave the back door open for you. You know, come on in. I mean, it like that right there literally changed my mind on the entire situation. And I realized I was like, man, I got, I got that one Absolutely. wrong. Um, right. But don't you think, don't you think though, sunlight's the best disinfectant, yes. right? Could there be more to the story? Like there could there, be, right? There absolutely could be. Um, but I can tell you that what they released that answered a lot of questions and that cleared a lot of things up. Could there be more? Sure. But, you know, it, now when, you know, cause the initial, you know, the initial take was, well, Paul Pelosi called this dude by name, you know, on the phone. And people are like, well, how do you know his name? If he's a burglar, you know, how do you know his name? That doesn't make sense. And, you know, if all this conjecture was out there, it's like, dude, Release that video. It may not answer all the questions, but it's going to clear up a lot of it. Right. What's up? So let me ask both of you guys this. And I think Josh has, has more to say. I will go return back to the Tyree Nichols because those astute. Yeah, come on. You have more to say on that. Uh, those astute listeners know that Roger and I, mainly me, cut Josh off and uh, moved on to Paul Pelosi. He wasn't done talking about it. I want to hear the thoughts. Actually, now I'm curious. Uh, but Josh, let me ask you this. And I think Roger will have the same, same answer. Um, if you found yourself in that type of situation, you know, wife's out of town, uh, you know, you, you've been playing PlayStation all night, you know, you can be getting your kill on on call of duty and you've been drinking a little bit, you've been having some good bourbon and somebody breaks into your house and you find yourself without your gun. And there you think that you can maybe, maybe talk to them a little bit. But you know your gun is about 10 paces away. Maybe it's over in the kitchen. Are you going to talk your way out? Are you going to try to talk your way out of getting over to your gun so you can blow his ass away? Or is that, I mean, because that's what I'd do. I'd sit there. You know, at first I'd try to rush for it. That's what I'd probably do. But if I found myself in a situation where I've got time to talk myself into a situation where I could pick up my weapon and send this guy to his maker... I mean, what, what, is that what you do? Probably if, you know, because understanding, you know, understanding that 21 foot rule and, uh, you know, and everything. Yeah. And it's. No, 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 no. Explain, explain the 21 foot rule because I guarantee you there's people that don't know right. that. So 21 feet is generally the, it's the accepted distance um, in, in military and law enforcement circles that I can close that distance between, you know, uh, you know, an adversary and myself, I can close that distance before you can draw a weapon. Um, and it's been, it's, it's been proven time and time again. You know, a lot of people have stepped up to try and debunk it and they haven't been able to, uh, by the time. And, you know, for those out there, um, you know, who concealed carry, uh, or even just, you know, open carry, you know, try it, mark off 21 feet, and see, you know, with the unloaded weapon, of course, be safe about it. But see if you can have somebody close that distance before you can actually and, draw your and weapon. 20, um, and 21 feet is for someone who's very well trained. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the first time I, the first time someone demonstrated the 21 foot, seven meter rule on me, 
I was at the time, you know, pretty squared away on moving it forward, getting it out. Uh, and I was shocked. So if you're not super well-trained and well-versed and haven't, you know, been practicing yep. that, you can back that up to like 40 feet, no, brother. It's uh, it's scary how quickly someone can close, uh, you know, the uh, 21 feet of, uh, of distance uh, on you. So, yeah, I would have probably talked to that guy because when they opened the door, that guy didn't necessarily sound a whole, you know, coherent either. So it's like, okay, is this dude, is this guy on something? You know, is he drunk? Is he high? His response time is, you know, it's probably not going to be, you know, that. So, yeah. It's, you know, I, I'm absolutely going to be like, hey, man, how's you, how you doing? What you doing with that hammer? What you doing with that hammer, Carl? You know, from Sling Blade. All the while, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be moving toward, you know, either either my, you know, my handgun. I'm going to be moving toward, you know, something that I can use as a weapon. Uh, you know, that's I'm, I'm going to get to my tools plus one, uh, you know, in, in, in that scenario. Uh, so, again, you know, when had had they released the video right when it occurred when that incident occurred then i would have been like damn man like that uh, that legit happened to paul pelosi just like they said it did based on what i've seen right instead of all this conjecture you know about well how did he know his name if he was a burglar you know who does that how can somebody get into you know the the speaker of the house's you know residence like that um it just none of that made sense. Had they released that video, it would have been a lot better. It's still bizarre. Like it does, it doesn't make it any less bizarre. Um, and it's just, I, again, I mean, I, it just it boggles my mind that you're the speaker of the house, you're the third in line to the presidency. Where is your security at? Where is your security? Do you not have Do you not have armed security? On your residence, especially in a place like San Francisco, not exactly the, uh, you know, not exactly the safest place in the world, you know, and even if it's not a, you know, even if it's not a, you know, it's not like the Yakuza, you know, showing up on your door, but all the homeless drug addicts, dude, you, I'd have security just to keep the drug addicts, you know, from trying to break in my house to steal something so they can go, you know, hock it to get their next fix. But I don't know. I still find, uh, I still, I still find that one a little weird. So, Roger, let me ask you, uh, let me ask you this. Paul Pelosi, does this, does this, well, I I think it somewhat vindicates uh, Paul Pelosi a little bit, um, but does this change your mind on, uh, kind of on the those right-wing talking pundits a lot of them yeah i know you kind of said they lost some credibility with you is there anybody in particular that you're like okay i'm i'm, I'm kind of done listening to um you're kind of going on my my shit list you know uh or you know as you and like like to put, point out you know when i say i'm done with somebody well they can you know they can f off to done with them uh anybody anybody in particular? Well, i was getting ready to say <laughs> I was going to say, I, I haven't gone full Josh because Josh is like, F them. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, they can F off. You know, w- w- what's tough about it is it makes me. So when you talk about like mental preparedness, right? So some, you watch cartoons because you don't want to think. 
you watch comedy because you don't want to think. That's when you let your guard down. You just kind of sit back, you relax, you take it in, ha, 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 you laugh, you chuckle, whatever. And so when you have some of those trusted entities like your Sebastian Gorkas and those guys, you, you know, you like to take what they say at face value. And I don't have to do a whole lot of thinking. I don't need to do due diligence on everything that they do or say. Uh, but the problem is when folks like that that you trust are so blatantly wrong, and we're not talking about honest mistake, okay, when they're blatantly wrong and intentionally misleading, now I have to go back and say, man, I have to do due diligence like on everything I read now. And it's not just maybe you do due diligence, sometimes you just blow it off. But it's like I have to take everything with a grain of salt until I have the time and the and and, and want to take the effort to go look it up. And my, I had a buddy, Teddy, listens. Uh, he, uh, both of you guys know him. And we were talking about um, something that uh, I won't go into too many details, but Fox News had brought it up a couple years ago. And I was in, in our former lives, and I'm like, man, they are so wrong on this. Like, I'm pretty sure they could have gone to any of our kids, and our kids would have done a better job fact checking and, and providing them info than whomever they paid to, to do this stuff, right? Uh, whoever they paid. So Ted was like, well, just think, this is something that you know about and are very familiar with, and you know that they're this wrong. Imagine all the things they report on day after day after day that you're not as familiar with. Imagine how wrong they were on those items. And we take it at face value. And it's not just a Fox News. It's a Fox News. It's a CNN. It's an MSNBC. CNN, by the way, had the lowest ratings in the last nine years. Glorious. They're like, what can we do to, you know, to fix it? Well, it's like, just tell the truth. But that's with all of them. It's like, all we want is, you know, we want the facts. We want the truth. And at the end of the day, if you don't have any more, hey, this is what we have. In our world, we call it, you know, NFI, no further information right? Or not further identified or whatever you want NFI to stand for. But it's like, basically, this is what we have and we'll report more when we know it. But they come out with like the Paul Pelosi thing and you hit it on the head. You know, it was funny, you know, grinder date gone bad because that's all we saw. And I don't know who intentionally didn't release it, didn't want to release it. But then once the videos were released, there was like a 30 minute uh, piece there where all the folks were jumping all over the videos and again, it's like, hey, man, these are people that we trust that I feel I can let my guard down when I read their stuff and kind of take it at face value. That's why I don't retweet a lot. I don't re retweet a lot uh, because it's like I have to verify everything. I have to validate everything. And then when people you trust knowingly, okay, we're not talking about an accident, but knowingly put information out there like that to sway the opinions of us, okay, they're educated, you know, what we consider quasi-educated followers. I have a problem with that. And so then you just get to the point where you don't trust anybody. And, and in fact, you could even say, I trust them less because it's the insider threat, right? Those are the people that you trust to, to steer us the right way or to give us, you know, guidance and information. Hey, go pull these threads that are intentionally misleading us. What's up, Ooh, Luke? You look like you had something. Enemy. Near enemy. There you go. The, we call that... Is that a new term? Yeah, the near enemy. No, no, no. That's That's... <laughs> Yeah, that term dates back to like 600 A.D. when uh, the prophet Muhammad uh, wrote his glorious trope uh, or tome, I should say. Uh, there's the near enemy and the far enemy. Uh, the ones you really can't trust, the ones that are going to betray you the most are the ones who are within your community, you know, who yeah. are actively working against you to manipulate you or whatever. And that would be uh, within the Muslim world, uh, people who are Muslims, right, who are actively sure. working against you to manipulate you. And the far enemy, the ones you want to kill later, are, you know, the great Satan, like as Iranians would say, uh, you know, the U.S., for instance. Um, 
I didn't mean to cut you off there, Roger, but I was just like, oh, well, no, you're spot on. You- because like all three of us will sit here. If we see a tweet or a post that comes out from Kamala Harris, Ron Klain, the White House, anybody else on the left, you're like, okay, this is BS. Let me go look this thing up. Let me Google this. Yada. You know, back when Biden claimed uh, inflation was zero, you know, uh, from whatever two months that was. You know, disregarding the fact that inflation is year over year, like, okay, this is BS. Let me go dive in this. We end up diving into everything they say, whereas those that we trust uh, or, you know, respect and trust, uh, we kind of take it at face value and, and we fail to do the necessary due diligence. So I haven't gone full Josh mode on them, on all of them, uh, because if I had, jo- I just have no followers or I wouldn't follow anybody because you find out most of it's, but I, I would say this. I, you know, and I can't remember off the top of my head, but there's only like one or two folks that actually came out and was like, Hey, you need to look at the entire video. You need to look at, the, you know, everything. Uh, but I'd have to say like, dude, 85, 90, 95% of the conservative pundits that I follow jumped all over that thing. Well, yeah, even we did a little bit, you know, we, because, because sunlight's best disinfectant. We didn't, we didn't have the video. Well, no, I'm it's talking about like- after everything had come out. Uh, oh, I'm not really? talking about the very beginning when, when just okay. the video, because at the very beginning, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, the only thing that, that was released was, well, actually it wasn't even the body cam. And then I think the body cam got released first, right before the, uh, the break in at the back door, which, you know, again, I'm no ballistics expert or whatever. I mean, the guy's got a hammer going to a window. So I know you cannot hit my windows that many times and not get in my house. I mean, it had to be like some thick bullet blues, you know, there's, there's glass and stuff going everywhere and they get in. But anyway, it's the whole story that they tell at the very beginning, you only get the one video. And again, it leads me to well, why'd they just release the one video? If you released all three of those pieces together, the nine one one call in both videos, I think for 90, 95% of us, it, it's just, it's a non-story, right? I mean, we yeah. make fun of it. Yeah, it's uh it's one of those things, man. I, you know, uh, I was talking to one of our listeners, Dina. Uh, we were, I don't, I don't remember. It was, a, it was a, I have a text message group with a, you know, some other friends other than you guys. I got to branch out a little bit. I can't just have two friends, you know. I got to have others too. And, uh, you know, I said something. Oh, I'm watching. You know, I saw this on Fox News, and Dina says Fox News. You know, you could just, you could hear the disdain. Not that she's she's not a conservative liberal. I'd say she is the most like centrist person. Like you know, she's total common sense. And I'm like, uh, Dina, you should go back and listen to the podcast. Uh, I think Roger, Josh, and I have all agreed. We kind of watch Fox News for the entertainment value of it. That's not where we consume our news. Uh, I think the three of us do due diligence. Like if Sean Hannity's crazy ass says something it's like well yeah let me look that up and see what's really going on i will say this though man tucker carlson has got some good writers and good producers i'll say that because his i only watch his show for the monologue for the opening monologue i'm like oh my god and i I have a a laundry list of stuff i've got to look up the next morning or later that night if i'm feeling frisky on holy crap wow he's got he's got a good point but the thing is, I mean, you know, Fox News, these pundits, it's it's entertainment. That's all it is. That's not I don't think any of the three of us get our news from Fox News, although the Sunday morning is pretty good. I mean, I would say that those uh, the Sunday morning folks are, are are pretty good anchors. It kind of reminds me of the old days, you know, uh, 
but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I could go in any number of directions here. I could go with pop culture. I could go with uh, uh, some other stuff like like environmentalism because I, I I was I went down the Wikipedia rabbit hole uh, this morning, early this morning, and I saw some stuff. I was like, oh man, I could bring this up on the podcast, and it might send Roger into conniption fits. But uh, so I could go any number of directions. Uh, Josh is, but I, I'm not going to. I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it to Josh because we cut him off earlier, and he's not gonna go off on Tyree Nichols. Y'all are gonna have to hit up. Uh, uh, culperscanteencup.com to see uh, Josh's thoughts on that because he's, he's going to write a, a blog entry on that on his final thoughts. So that's a little teaser. So we're going to send it in whatever direction Josh wants to go. So Josh, what do you got? So did you see, did you see uh, Stephen Curry uh, in his comments today? F him and his the coach. absolute best, right? So, so Stephen Curry uh, lives in a, uh, a $30 million mansion and they have, you know, the city, uh, where he lives, uh, they were going to put in affordable housing. All right. So, uh, you go ahead and read section eight, uh, you know, probably in the area next to his $30 million mansion. Now, you know, understanding that, you know, Stephen Curry, um, he either founded, co-founded, or he sits on the board of directors of this, uh, this, you know, the nonprofit that is specifically, specifically chartered to bridge the wealth gap, um, the racial wealth gap. And he came out today and he basically said, you're not putting affordable housing next to my $30 million mansion because I am, quote, concerned about safety. <laughs> and it was like, you you can't make this stuff up. Like it like it is the absolute best. You want you you know you're working to bridge the racial wealth gap. Hey, great, we're gonna put affordable housing next to your $30 million mansion. And you know, it's Jason Bateman from Mozart who's like the F U R it's just it is it is fan <laughs> fantastic the hypocrisy um, and the other one uh, the other story and then you guys can take it uh, you know wherever you want to go so Bernie Sanders is uh, he he's coming out with a new book uh, and the book the title of the book it's okay to be angry about capitalism right because it's coming from Bernie Sanders and he's just an old kook um, and but. You know what the best part is? Is that he held an event to promote his book. Not only was he charging for his book, his book is not free. You have to you have to pay him for his book. <laughs> you had to buy a ticket to get into the event. So you can read his book about it's okay to be angry about capitalism. I love it. I absolutely love it. The world is on fire. It's, it's a great, great. It's a clown world. It's just, it, it's a complete shit show. Like, so you guys, you, right. Roger, take, take one of those or whatever, wherever you want to go. I just wanted to highlight those. I love it. Well, on the Steph Curry thing, not only did he say that you're not going to build it, but he's like, but if you do build it, I want higher walls. Right. I, it, it's no different than the wind Wall, farms out there. Hey, you can build wind farms just, <laughs> Apparently, I do around his house. 
Okay. It's no different than, uh, was it Carrie and Bunt? Hey, wind farms. Yeah. You need to build wind farms. Oh, not, not, not off my, my, you know, beach access home. No, 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 no. I don't want to see that. You do it off your home. So we threw up a poll earlier on, on Twitter, uh, a couple of days ago, maybe about a week ago now, kind of want to get both your opinions on it. And my numbers were a little bit off compared to what later came out. So you had the fair tax act. Uh, and, and this is pretty interesting because I haven't worked the numbers out. And I guess I'll leave this up for you because we're not going to delve into all the numbers here, uh, and especially, you know, personal finances or whatever. But I'd be interested to see or hear people's opinions on whether this would work in their favor or not. Now, I have a couple problems with it when you talk about the Fair Tax Act. Uh, first of all, it's not just a national sales tax because you know your local municipalities are going to charge, you know your state's going to charge. So whatever percentage comes out, you might as well just tack on top of that. So the number may sound good up front, but at the end of the day, tack on you know at least another 8, 9, 10% to that, if not more. The other thing is I don't know how you could base – well, maybe you can. I was going to say, I don't know how you can base a national or a federal budget off this because the numbers would be inconsistent because as inflation goes up, things like that, people just stop buying, right? They stop, They start hoarding money, or at least they used to, uh, and that would decrease the revenue that the federal government takes in. But as we've seen in the last three, four, five, six administrations, it really doesn't matter because they're just going to print more money anyway. But so Fair Tax Act, Josh, no income tax, no capital gains tax, uh, no tax at all, no federal tax, no employee tax, nothing. Okay. But in place of that, they would do a 23% national sales tax on just about any new item that you purchase. That includes not just goods and services, but also like health insurance, whatever, whatever I'm assuming is on the marketplace, whatever service you use, there's going to be an automatic uh, 23% tax is going to be on top of that. Now, again, subtract the state because the state's going to throw 5%. You're, heck, the town I live in, I think we charge like 8.5% sales tax. So it's, it's something stupid. Quick glance over your own, is this something that you would consider? Do you think getting rid of all the other, other federal taxes that we have out there, and we're talking about death tax, capital gains tax, income tax, you name it, right? in lieu of a 23% national sales tax. Is that something that you would consider or uh, do you think it would have different impacts depending on what income level you fall into or what income bracket you fall into? So all other taxes are gone. So, you know, you said capital gains taxes, federal state, you know, federal income taxes, death tax, estate tax, inheritance, all that stuff is gone. Yep. Gone. I'd absolutely entertain hearing uh, you know, more on, uh, on a 20 per, you know, 23% uh, tax. I do think that it would impact, um, you know, those maybe, you know, in, in I think it would impact the lower, uh, you know, the lower class, uh, community when it, you know, on, uh, on goods and services, uh, now there is a caveat to that. So what they have done and I didn't understand it all, but basically if you make below the poverty lot level, you would essentially get a check back for the amount of goods and services purchased, the tax you paid on it versus what you make versus what the poverty level is to bring you up to the poverty level. So somebody who's below the poverty level isn't paying a 23% tax across the board, right? Which would be twice, if not more than that, than what they're paying right now. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. I, I, dude, I'd entertain, I, I would entertain further discussion on that. Uh, 
that uh, you know that sounds that sounds okay to me, based on all the other taxes that we currently pay. Um, you know, I definitely entertain uh, that. Let me let me ask you guys something on this uh, national sales tax. So, Roger, did you say real quick because this could be a back and forth? Uh, you say twenty three percent because I was reading thirty. So initially, when we when we were asking the question, we put up on the poll, uh, it said thirty. I haven't read the bill specifically, but since the bill came out, I believe it's twenty three percent now. Okay, so big difference. So seven percent is huge. It's it's huge, and and that, that this goes to the discussion I want to have on this uh, real quick, Josh, uh, Josh was pronouncing his name. Cause we all know how great Josh is at pronouncing people's names. Uh, we, we all know uh, including Ryan that Josh is an expert on name pronunciation. <laughs> and he was saying Stephen Curry. And I was like, I, I said the chat, his, his name is pronounced like Steph, like Stephen Curry. And Josh says India Delta golf alpha Fox. I-D-A-I-D-G-A-F, how his name is pronounced. Okay, fair enough. I'll take that hit. So, uh, but back back to my question. So, Roger, vehicles. Let's go with two two uh, uh, big expenditures that that a lot of Americans make. Vehicles. You buy a vehicle. Okay, is that a twenty three? Uh, is multiple? So don't answer right away. So that's a big expenditure, and you put twenty three percent on top of your, you know, cheap cheap car these days thirty seven thousand dollars. Well, cheap, I don't know, thirty seven thousand dollar vehicle, twenty three percent. That that's a lot of money on top of that. So you got to finance that or not. I don't know how that works. Right? There's a lot of questions I have on this. Uh, number two, housing market. What's that going to do to the housing market? Does is is the sales tax included on you know a house that you buy? Because 23% on top of whatever you're paying, that's a lot. So I can see some, you know, second and third order effects to this this type of policy. I can see a lot more leased vehicles, you know. Um, but the housing market, I mean, how would that go? Uh I could see how it could seriously affect what I personally buy. Uh, you know, I'm not rich like our listener, Darren. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's a joke. Darren will get that. He'll, he'll think it's funny. I'm not rich like that, but I, I, I think it would affect what I buy. It might make me a little more, uh, more thoughtful about what I buy. Because, and the, okay, third question, is that taxation still theft? Income tax, I get, you know, it's like taxation is theft, I understand. But the federal government's not going to charge me for what I'm going to buy. Is taxation still theft? So I asked you a lot of questions there. I'll kick it back to you. So I haven't read through the the bill. Uh, well, first of all, it's not going to matter anyway because it's not going to pass. The versions of this have been floating around since 2015. So this is all hypotheticals and theory and, and whatever. And I think it would come down to having to work the numbers out because I, I would look. I hadn't looked at an actual home and and what you would end up paying on that. And Josh hit it on the head where it could impact lower income folks. But let's say your family makes a hundred thousand dollars a year and or above. Look at what you already pay in your federal tax, Social Security, FICA, uh, any capital gains tax. And at the end of the day, you just have to work out the numbers. You know. I, what I do like about it is 
I like the fact that it is, it's essentially a consumption tax, right? So whatever I buy, I'm going to pay tax on it. And so, and, and it's a flat rate. So as opposed to, and that's been my problem with tax all of a sudden, or all along is it's always more. It's more, 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 more. Dude, just tell me what I owe. Just to, why do I even need to go to an accountant? Just tell me what I owe. It's the 25%. It's the 30. No, no politician will tell you that. How much do I, owe? is it 40%? Is it 45%? Is it 50? Just figure that number out and just take it and be done with it. Because right now, and I, I you know what, this will be interesting. I have to work this out over the next couple of weeks. Because when you look at what you're taxed on already from your income, you're still already paying a sales tax anyway not a national sales tax, but you're already paying a sales tax. Uh, you buy a house, you're paying property tax every year. If you sell your house, if you sell it within two years or if it's over a certain amount of money, you're paying a capital gains tax on it. You're paying taxes three, four, five, six times on the same dollar that you've earned. So long story short, I'd have to go back and look at it. What I do think, and again, I have to go look this up, so don't take it as gospel. I think they're also asking for the repealing of the 16th Amendment <laughs> with this bill. So another reason why it won't pass, which is obviously gives Congress the, uh, you know, the right to tax, you know, taxation. So initially, I like. I think I'm like Josh. I like the sound of it because I just want to know what I owe. This is this is the money. Uh, this is the flat rate, and at the end of the day, I feel like I have some control because maybe I do lease a vehicle. I think that's something that you do factor in where, hey, maybe you don't buy a vehicle because of the tax you have to pay versus leasing a vehicle. But you know what the difference is? I'm making that choice. Nobody else is making that choice for me. And if you're in a position where you can afford it or it works out for you uh, financially, then you'll make those decisions. If it's time to cut back, I can cut back what I purchase and make a significant dent in either what I owe or what my uh, debt is going to be at the end of the month, right? Because if it's a 23% tax, hey, guess what? Some of the luxury items that you would typically buy when you get, you know, a couple extra dollars in your pocket and this and that, maybe you just don't buy that, right? Or like we said, when inflation goes up, things are more expensive. Hey, there's certain things that, hey, maybe we don't buy the organic eggs this month. We're just going to get regular brown ones that came from the farm, right? Because they're $2 cheaper. But those are, that's a pretty significant impact when you start talking about 23%. But at the end of the day, I would have to work the numbers out uh, to see how it actually how it actually pans out in the end. Yeah, I can see that. Josh. Um, I just, the, the, the amount of taxes that we currently pay is absolutely insane. Uh, I read an article yesterday to where this lady, you know, she had a home, you know, and it, it's, the, the story is, you know, I mean, it's, it's all over the country. You know, they build a house and it's, you know, eventually urban creep urban sprawl you know encompassed it and this house you know this lady uh this is the house that she grew up in the house is paid for right there's no mortgage on the house there's there's no nothing but she couldn't afford the property taxes you know after a while uh because you know property you know tax rates kept going up and stuff so she couldn't she couldn't afford it the the property tax on it so she had to sell it and so it's like when do you actually own it? You don't. You never fully own your house or your land, right? Because every year you have to pay property taxes um, unless you're exempt for one reason or the other. But you think about that. You will never fully own your house. You can live in it you know, until you die. You pay it off. Guess what? Every year you're still paying taxes on it. And you know, this goes back, and we've talked about this before. It, it, it gets me so fired up 
They're like, we started a war with the strongest country in the world at the time over a 3% tax. And here we are like, oh, well, you know, 23, 30%. Okay. Yeah. We can kind of get on board with that. Like it's crazy. The amount of taxes that we pay is absolutely insane. And the government turns around and they are not good stewards with our money. They, they're, they're not good stewards with our money. You know, here, and Luke's talked about it before, you know, do, does this pass the, the Joe six-pack test? You know, would this be okay for me to do to spend, you know, taxpayer dollars on? And, and the government's making it rain like Pac-Man Jones. And then they're asking for more. They wanted more yesterday. They wanted more today. They're going to want more again tomorrow. It's, a, it, it, it's absolutely crazy. I, I don't it, – it drives me nuts. It gets me. It gets me going. I hate it. Absolutely hate it. <laughs> yeah, I did. I didn't really think about it that way, uh, Josh. I, I should have. Uh, I mean, it didn't occur to me until you just said it. Is that yeah? You can pay off your house, but uh, you know, I I know folks, hundred percent. I, I know folks personally who uh, owned a house and had to move out of it because uh, you know the property taxes were just too much, and. Uh, yeah, when you put it that way, you never truly own anything. Yeah, it's a li- it's a little bit maddening, man. Makes you want to makes you want to stand up a militia. Don't cancel us, YouTube. Don't investigate oh, me, FBI. You know, it's just, uh, yeah. Boy, go back and listen to our old episodes, man. We, uh, yeah, we get pretty worked up on this stuff. So, I don't know if Roger's stuff stuff is good. Roger, you good? I do have one more thing. If you got a minute. No, I got, I got a minute. minute. I got more than a minute. Yeah. I just hope you're recording. We're having like some technical uh, freakouts here. Uh, no, we're good. Okay. So Here's the good. last thing that I have. No, so, I, and, no, and, and I'll throw this out to a couple of these questions to both of you uh, as far as where you think we sit at. So President Biden came out and said, as of 11 May, the COVID emergency will be over. So not 10 May, not nine, not, I, I don't know where 11 May comes from. It's just, it's, it's 11 May, right? Whatever. Take a guess out of 100%, okay, of the federal workforce that is still not back in space. What, per, Josh, what percentage of the federal workforce is not back in space? Take a guess. I'm going with 70%. So you think 70% of the federal workforce is not back in space? Yeah, I think 70% of the federal workforce is still working from home. Okay. I was going to ask Luke what he thought, but uh, apparently he does not care how much of the federal workforce is not back in space. So uh, actually higher than what I would have said. And I was, I'm, I'm shocked at the number. 47% of the federal workforce is still not back at work. <laughs> 47%. It's- I cannot, I, I honestly, I was like 20, 25%. When I first heard it, I was like 20, 25%. Easy. Yeah. I would have never thought that 47% let's, of the federal workforce is still not back at work. Let's, let's think about this real quick. I know you got another point, Roger, but let's think about it real quick. What is the biggest federal employer? I'll answer, I'll answer the question I asked. It's the DOD. The second is the VA. And the third is DHS. Okay, and then you go down the line from there. What is the majority of the workforce is, if you want to call it the S1, personnel, human resources. So it's like 
that honestly, that number does not surprise me because if I was a federal worker, I would tell you that, uh, I would know that a lot of people are still at home managing payroll, managing, you know, uh, basic human resources stuff. So it actually kind of doesn't surprise me, um, at all. Um, really. So I'll, I'll just throw that out there. Now, I, I, and I will caveat this, and I'll go off my little rant here and then kick it out to you guys. Because there are certain jobs that can be done at home, and it is a cost-saving measure. And some of us are actually more productive working from home than others. Okay, I'll leave that out there. That's there. We, we see it in the commercial sector all the time. Uh, and there's probably a role for it in, in the government space. Okay, But here's what kills me. Here's what shocks me. And I'll just go through a couple of these. I won't read them all. But So there's disagree neutral agree and it's broken down like disagree completely disagree mostly i'm not gonna go through all that crap disagree neutral agree i feel physically safe to return to work in my agency's office 32 percent agree 52 percent disagree i'm concerned about contracting covid19 if i work in an office environment 26 percent disagree 64 percent agree with that COVID has become more of a convenient reason for federal employees to not have to return to in-person work than a real physical threat. Obviously, 29% agree with that statement and 59% disagree with that statement. (laughs) My agency can safely and effectively return its employees to work in our offices at this point. Obviously, 58% disagree with that, 27% agree. And it goes that federal employees are generally more productive when working remotely and or via telework. 66% agree, 17% disagree. My job duties can successfully be completed via telework. 77% agree, 14% disagree. My agency's mission, and going back to what, what Luke was saying, the majority of your federal employees, my agency's missions, or my agency's mission can be successfully carried out with maximum telework flexibilities in place. 72% agree, 17% agree. What bothers me with this whole thing is, I do not blame anybody for wanting to work from home. I feel very fortunate I've been able to work from home. I know Josh does as well. Uh, I know Luke gets to work from home every now and then. We've spent a lifetime, a career working on the, ro- on the road. My problem is just call it what it is, man. Because these same folks, these same people that sit here and say they can't go back to work because of COVID-19. They can't go back to work because they fear for their lives. They can't go back to work because there aren't protective measures in place. I see them at Santan Mall every weekend. <laughs> I see them out at the Walmarts every weekend. I, I've passed around a picture a thousand times of, of the Home Depot in my neighborhood. Where, hey, go to my Costco down the street here. Dude, so we had a new Costco open. It was the last piece, and I'll kick it over to Josh. We had no, our, no, no. our neighborhood. I've, I've got no, to kick say it something. I'm, I'm blowing up. Our Costco opened up last weekend right down the street. You guys both been in my house down the street, not even a mile down the road. Uh, maybe a mile and a half down the road. Open up in our town. And I don't know the complete, I, I don't know the exact numbers. I'm kind of spitballing some here, but the one day sale in that Costco was like $1.3 million or so. It was over a million dollars, right? They had like over 1,200 visitors to the store. And of any other opening gas station in the country, they had the highest sales of gas. Okay. These same people are scared to go back to work because of COVID-19. And my, my, my problem with this is, I don't call it what it is, number one, 
But two, look at how many issues, and our listeners out there know, our viewers out there know, look at how many issues you have getting through to any type of government agency to get any type of support or any type of, of assistance for anything that you, that you may need. That is my problem with it. What say you, Luke? Okay, I'm trying to calm myself down here a little bit. Now, I know you guys like working from home. I, I know you do. Me personally, I, I do not like working from home. I, I think I could if I had to. But if I have a choice, I want to get out and go somewhere. Uh, I'm fortunate enough because, you know, I think uh, sharks have this thing where they have to move around or they'll die. You know, shark, sharks move around in the ocean because the, the, it, it oxygenates their blood and all this stuff. I feel like I'm kind of like a shark like that. I got to keep moving. I got to keep moving around and that's probably to my detriment, but that's why I feel like I got to get out of the house and work. Now, I think I could work from home if I had to, but I prefer to get out of the house. I know you guys like working from home and you're like, I'm more productive. Both of you guys are, uh, you're able to do that. And that's a credit on you. Now, the problem is if you apply that, if you two guys in particular apply that to everyone else, you are seriously mistaken. You are seriously mistaken. Because those 17%, the 14%, the 10%, the 12% that Roger was talking about, agree, disagree, all that stuff, that 17% are truthful people. The reason the 77% and all this stuff want to work from home is so that they can be lazy. And that's all there is to it. You guys work hard. You're driven. You have a mission whatever it is, and your job that you're doing that you want to complete, and you're better doing it from home. Let me tell you something, and the audience knows this, and you guys do too. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. The majority, the 77% of federal employees are lazy. They want to stay at home. They want to be lazy. They want to you know, sit out and spend six hours playing Call of Duty or whatever the hell it is they do, sip mango lattes and stuff like that. It's just, I, I think this work can be done from home, but I do not think with certain federal employees in the private sector too, I do not think, and this is why Elon Musk wants people to go back to work. Man, I want to crack, crack the whip on you because uh, the majority of people out there need the whip cracked on them. That's not being racist. I'm just, it's a figure of speech. Y'all get over it. It's a metaphor. I'm just saying, I, you know, uh, the majority of the people are lazy. They need a supervisor. That's why we have supervisors. That's why we have managers to look over your shoulder to make sure you're doing your work. Now, I think we're blessed as a podcast with our audience to have a bunch of, you know, self-motivated, self-starter people listening to this. And so it's, it's hard for us to understand, you know, us being, you know, the three of us and the audience. It's like, how can people not be motivated? How can, uh, why, why are so many people lazy? Well, man, just, just look at the world around you. I just, get, I just get worked up at this. You know, Roger touched a nerve, man. He's Barbara Walters. He's Oprah Winfrey. He's Dr. Phil. He's Maury Povich, all in one in this episode. So, man, I just had to rant. I'm sorry. I had to, I had to go off on that. But you guys are self-starters. Uh, you're motivated. You're able to work from home. But you are the exception. You are the 3%. <laughs> FBI, man, we're going to get flagged for this one. Josh, I went off. You go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with right. I don't disagree with anything you said. Um, but I think that people need to uh, you know need to accept the fact 
that COVID has changed the work culture in the United States for the foreseeable future. Um, there's going to be a number of companies, a number of organizations, both private and uh, you know USG, that are going to transition to that hybrid work. Uh, that work environment, you know, it's like, Hey, you come into the office on, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays, you know, group A, you come in on, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. Um, there, I, I think we're just, we're going to see that for those jobs that, you know, can be done, um, from home. A lot of companies, I see it, you know, on, uh, on my side, um, you know, they're actually starting to incentivize people to work from home, um, because at the end of the day, it lowers overhead. That's less, you know, that's less cubicles I have to build. And that's just expensive, right? For, you know, for folks when I can, you know, I can mail you, a, you know, a laptop and a phone and be like, and, and here you go, right? Um, so I think, I think we're going to see more of that. I think it's here to stay. I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. So, um, <clears throat> okay, I know we're getting close on, uh, on time. So I've just got a... Uh, I want to shout out one uh, one company um, that's uh, you know we really started following them on Twitter and engaging with them. You know we talked about coffee on here. We give uh, you know we give uh, Black Rifle a, a hard time, uh, deservingly so, because they're a uh, they're a garbage company um, with garbage uh, leadership, and uh, we don't like them. Uh, you know they threw Kyle Rittenhouse under the bus. Um, they went woke. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, they're just a terrible company with terrible people. Don't drink their coffee. If you have some in your house, go throw it in the trash right now. Uh, Just, you know, don't don't patronize them in any way, shape or form. The company you should be looking at is North Arrow Coffee Company. Uh, North Arrow, they're a uh, they're an American America first uh, pro-life coffee company. Uh, they're on Twitter. You can find them at NorthArrowCoffee.com. Uh, they're on all the socials. Go check them out. Um, you know they uh, they're not afraid to take some unpopular stances. Uh, you know, and and they've actually you know to the detriment of their own business uh, taken some unpopular stances on uh, on social media that's cost them customers. But you know, again, you know they're they're doing it for for the right reasons. Um, and I think that we you know. And me included, we need to put our money where our mouth is when we talk about, you know, not supporting woke companies and uh, and woke businesses. And uh, I don't know, there's an app, I can't remember the name of the app, Roger, that you told me to download uh, to take a look at. Public SQ. Okay, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll kick it over to you um, for your final thoughts. And if you want to pitch that or, you know, let everybody know about it, um, then uh, then go ahead. You have anything, uh, any shout outs or anything, Luke? All right. Uh, app, and I haven't fully vetted this. Uh, I think this came from Trump Jr. And then my wife sent it to me. But basically, it's uh, it's an app called Public SQ. Uh, app on the iPhone. I'm assuming they have one on Android or, or whatever else. But basically, companies register on this thing, and it's all goods and services. And it's people that are basically like us. They actually love America. Uh, they actually like our Constitution. They like the Bill of Rights. Uh, they like our founding fathers. They like our freedoms. You know, it is American first group. So like Josh said, you know, more and more understanding you can't do it with everything. We, we always give them a hard time for owning, you know, a communist China Jeep. But, you know, the, the reality is you can't do it with everything, right? Because uh, otherwise you would just be sitting naked in, in, in the middle of the woods somewhere. 
uh, because some component of something of anything in your house comes from somewhere else. Uh, but where I do have some discretion over, you know, where I spend my funds and what I do support when I can, uh, I have found myself more and more going out of my way uh, to support, you know, Made in America, even if it's a couple cents more, if you're in a position to be able to do that. But again, you know, at the, at the end of the day, man, you'd ask me 12 years ago with, with three kids at home, it's a different ballgame, right? You're trying to stretch every penny, especially with inflation. But hopefully our folks are either there now or get to a point where, uh, you know, you can be a little picky with where you spend your funds and at least going uh, to a good cause. Because if it doesn't, the problem is, is this, right? It's it's the short-term game versus long-term game. You may be saving money up front, but when it, what ends up happening is you're donating your funds to those people that are going to use those funds to fight against you and everything you believe in and everything you stand for. And, and you know, I'm not going to sit here and, go and, and get too far off this or on the soapbox, but you know, you, you look at inflation, you look at gas prices, this and that, Hey man, that comes back from, from democratic support. It's fundraising, it's money. And, and, and how do you think these folks get this money to donate these millions and millions and millions of dollars? And they, both sides do it. Okay. Now Republicans do it. Democrats do it. Libertarians suck at it, uh, which is why they can't put up a, a quality candidate, but your money, where you spend it, who it goes to the CEO of that company, the board of that company, uh, it goes to causes hopefully that you support. So, you know, I just ask everybody to be a little bit more cognizant when you have the opportunity to do that. But again, you know, it, uh, it's a case-by-case basis. That's all I got, Luke. That's great points, Roger. And I, I feel more and more the same way every day. Um, you know, when I'm, I'm at the store at Walmart, wherever, because, you know, I shop at Walmart because that's how I roll. I, I always look at the made in China. Made in China. Nope, not me. I'm looking for the made in America. So I'm with you on that. I'm trying to keep this short. I got a lot of shout outs tonight, but you know, we we've noticed a lot more listeners, a lot more viewers on YouTube. We really appreciate that. And that have, probably has something to do with Roger breaking the algorithm there. And so thanks to Roger on that for uh, figuring out that social media thing since uh, he's the social media czar. No, he's not, but thanks Roger. Anyway, uh, we, we Kamala. call Josh Kamala. That's, That's his me. nickname. Uh, Thanks for Josh. He's, he's kind of up late. He had a long day today. Uh, appreciate you hanging with us, Josh, uh, and figuring out that connectivity. And thanks, those who are engaging more on, on Facebook, social media. <laughs> thanks, Josh. We really appreciate y'all doing that. We've asked y'all to do that. You have been. We notice it. Although we don't maybe call you out as much as we should on the podcast, we appreciate y'all doing that. It keeps us going, keeps us engaged, and we appreciate it. Of course, you know, we'll go down the list. You know, Rodney, we called you out, Darren, Scott, Jesse, my white friend, Diego, uh, Dylan over there in uh, El Paso, New Mexico. We appreciate you listening. Dina, uh, appreciate you. A couple things, a a special shout out, you know, and I know this sounds cheesy, but y'all think about y'all's dogs, man. I know Josh loves his dog. Roger loves his dogs. You know, we we that they've graced our cover art a couple times. Uh, those dogs are they're beautiful dogs, and I love them. Love my dogs too. You know, our listener Grant, uh, it made us really sad. His his dog uh, passed away from old age. They had to they had to put him down. That was a tough thing for them to for them to do. This dog was a beautiful dog. He was a lurcher. If y'all don't know what a lurcher is, this is a dog. It's a cross between a greyhound and like a sight dog. And these things are just fast and they're just, they're so instinctual. We couldn't bring our, you know, when, when Flynn, his dog would come over, we had to put our cats away 
because this dog, as well-behaved as he was, he could not help himself. He saw the cats, and he was just like he went into instinct mode. And it's like it was years of breeding, you know, deck, you know, probably hundreds of years of breeding, these hunting dogs. He was just a beautiful dog. And, you know, it's just a sad thing to see him go. You know, you, you know, dogs sometimes are – we have more feelings uh, for them than humans. And it's a sad thing. So, Grant, I feel for you, your wife, Deanne. And uh, we'll see you soon over President's Day, and uh, we feel for you. And uh, on that on that note, I'll I'll give a shout out to Eric and Candace. I, I kind of wanted to bring this up in this episode with uh, you know your your pets dying and and what you do and how you'd react to that. But maybe we'll save that for another episode. Eric and Candace run a business out of Amarillo, Texas. I think we've mentioned them on the podcast before. And uh, yeah, we'll give them a shout out. Maybe we'll talk about that later. Uh, what to do with your animals after after they go. And uh, we might have some differing viewpoints on that. But uh, till then, uh, Roger said, you know, you know, cho- choose how you how you spend your money wisely. And we appreciate you all choosing to spend your time, which the three of us agree is the most valuable commodity on list of this podcast. So we'll close it out by saying don't be like Corn Pop because Corn, Corn Pop was a bad dude. You know what Corn Pop did not do? He did not keep his canteen cup full and tightly secured.